There are 1.9 million weddings in 2021. That's a lot of people saying I do. And those newlywed years are an adventure as you learn each other. But after kids, it can be harder to balance. So today, let's talk about five ways to keep the spark going in your marriage. And it's all about sharing. Welcome to the Faithful 31 Moms podcast. Wherever you find yourself today, multitasking or just trying to catch a quiet moment alone, I'm glad you're here as we learn together how to live out our faith and point our kids to Jesus. I'm your host, Mallory Allen. Thanks for joining me today to talk about sharing. Are you thinking, wait, I thought this episode was about marriage. Isn't sharing usually a conversation that we have with our kids? And yes, that is true. But today we are talking about sharing and how it relates to marriage and how we can use this characteristic to help keep our marriages alive. If you really think about it, when you marry somebody, you share your entire life with that person. I have learned through a lot of mistakes, many reality checks of just how different men are from women. Being married will do that to you, but also how wonderful marriage can be. Sharing your life, your money, your body, your kids, your plans, and the list could go on and on, but sharing your life with someone as one flesh, as that verse said, or one life together, it's not always easy, right? But it's always rewarding. I like to explain marriage to my kids like a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I tell them that Jesus is the good stuff in the middle that holds us together, and it's messy to separate, and it's no good without the middle, right? It wouldn't be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Because like that story that I share with my kids, he's the sweet stuff in the center. And when we stray away from having those daily quiet times, when we get out of the habit of that, we always tend to struggle more. Our our marriage grows stale. So above all, if you hear only one thing today in this podcast, hear this. Marriage without Jesus in the center will be much harder. But a marriage with Jesus in the center, although it's not perfect, because two out of three of you are human, right? So it's not going to be perfect. It'll be more full of joy, it'll be more full of patience, and it will be more likely to be forgiving so that you don't keep those record of wrongs from your spouse. And that is going to be a marriage that really lasts. So I wanted to be sure and throw out today before I really dive in that I am not a marriage counselor, (laughs) nor am I trying to be one. The first four are all about sharing your life together. And then the last one is a bonus. So you'll have to hold out and see what that is, but you're not going to want to miss it. The first way is my husband's favorite one, and that is shared time together. It's also known as alone time, away from the kids, okay? So we broke this down into two different ways that you can share time together. The first is date nights, which is basically getting a few hours alone together and having adult conversation away from the kids. So if you need to save money or you can't find a babysitter, you can do what we call dating in. Put the kids to bed and make this time special and a priority right at home. A couple of ideas for this would be watching a movie together. So it's just a relaxed setting for fun. Or you could have dinner delivered after the kids are in bed. Josh and I did this a lot when we lived away from family in Georgia. We would grab cheesecake or we would order food and it required no cooking, no cleanup, no babysitter. So that's the easiest kind of date to plan with the kids. You know your husband better than anyone, though. So plan something that you would both enjoy doing at home. 
Another way to have a date night is to go out and leave the kids at home. It's always fun, but it does take a little bit more prep work and planning. So one of the biggest challenges is finding a babysitter. If you don't have family that lives in the same town, I have a couple of suggestions for you. Reach out to your friends for a date night swap. So basically you keep their kids and they go out and then they'll keep your kids and then you can go out. It works pretty well. Then another one would be you can ask your youth director or your college pastor at your church for some reliable babysitter suggestions. So they would probably know phone numbers and some girls in their ministry that they would trust and that would kind of help you as well to know that you could trust them too, leaving your kids with them. So here are a few date out ideas. Get dressed up, go to a nice dinner. That's not Chick-fil-A, right? Number two, go to the movies. You could take a long walk or a bike ride through the park. If you like to hike, you can plan a day trip to a new place to hike with a picnic lunch. You can hit up a local coffee shop followed by ice cream or dessert from a restaurant. You can go shopping and let your husband pick out an outfit for you and then you pick out one for him and then y'all wear them on a date. You can go to a wedding together. It always makes you feel more romantic because you remember when you got married and you can have fun dancing and seeing friends together. So those are just a couple of ideas for going on a date out. The second way that you can spend shared time together is to take getaways. These are also known as overnight dates away from the kids. It does require more time, more money, and more planning than date nights. So for these reasons, they are the hardest to plan. But Josh and I have found them to be so beneficial for our marriage to help you connect. They're totally worth it. In our experience, getting away at least one time a year is a great goal to have. This gives you time to plan, to save, and prepare for where your children will stay. We like to call it grandparent camp. (laughs) Here are a few ideas for some getaways. You're probably familiar with Airbnb. You can choose a city and search for an Airbnb in your price range, and you can go anywhere. So my one suggestion with this is make sure that you read the reviews because those are very important. Josh and I recently stayed at a great place in Nashville out in the country. It was quiet. It was great. I'm going to include that link in the show notes. Another tip is take advantage of visiting different destinations, and they're all seasons. So, for example, Winter time at the beach is going to be much cheaper or summer in the Northeast. Some people in your family might even have timeshares that they'd be willing to let you use. These are just a few ideas that worked for Josh and I because we usually save most of our money to go on a vacation with the whole family so we can make memories with the kids too. But if you get creative and plan ahead, you will have a chance to take a little getaway once a year and it will do wonders for your marriage. Okay, so that was dating and sharing time together. But next up, you must have shared communication in your marriage. I like what Adrian Rogers says about this. You will communicate or your marriage will disintegrate. That is so true. So here are a few practical ways Josh and I do this every week. The first thing is we share our calendars on our phones. Another thing to piggyback on that is communicating your meal planning and your kids' schedules is really important every week. So that way 5 p.m. doesn't roll around and your kids are, Mom, I'm starving. What's for dinner? And you have no food in the house. And the last thing I will say 
with communication is a lot of couples have one or both of you working from home with the pandemic. So keeping those communication lines open is more important to give each other the space that you need and letting each other know what your work day is going to look like. The third way to share your life together, and we've touched on this in the dating topic, but it's to have shared common interests. We all had these when we were dating and before kids, but it's easy to forget them. When kids come into the picture, you're more tired, you're more busy. You kind of forget those things that you love doing together. So keeping common interests a priority will help you and your husband stay bonded and stay friends. And that's really important, especially since the kids are going to grow up and they're going to leave and you're still going to need to do those things together that you enjoy. So here are a couple of ideas for some shared common interests, maybe some new suggestions for you and your husband to try. Josh and I used to love playing tennis together. And honestly, I can't remember the last time that we played tennis, but it was a lot of fun. Or maybe it's golfing or something like that for you and your husband. Lately, we have been doing water aerobics together, something that I never thought would happen. But it's really fun. You should give it a try if you're at a local gym or YMCA. Eating out, even though our choices have changed a lot because I think our budget changes with uh, having kids in the picture, it's still a fun thing to do. Or working out together. Uh, Gardening can be something fun, especially as spring and summer come. Uh, Traveling, that takes a lot more planning, but it's super fun. Cooking together. My brother-in-law and sister love to do that. Or visiting a bookstore together and choosing a new book to read. So those are just some fun ideas. Your hobbies may vary, but the important thing is to have those common interests and make them a priority. Okay, so the fourth and final way to share your life together is to have shared community. Church is a great place to find this. Joining a small group, making some couple friends, this is going to help promote your common interests that we talked about, and it's going to help you have friends that you can share your life together with. It will also help you grow deeper in your faith together, worshiping together on Sundays at church and having a group of adults to hold you both accountable and give you a safe space so that you can process those things that the Lord is teaching you or convicting you of. I know from experience that watching your spouse get vulnerable and sharing something that the Lord is teaching them or something that's heavy on their heart is not only attractive, but it also helps start more spiritual conversations between just you two at home. So those are the four ways to share your life together as one. The first one was shared time together through dates. The second was shared communication. The third was shared common interest. And the last one that we just talked about was shared community, common friendships. And the fifth and final bonus tip that I referred to earlier for keeping your marriage alive with young kids at home is what I like to call the nevers. So the nevers are those things that I have personally learned from experience and my own mistakes that you should never do in marriage. Okay, so here goes. Number one, never speak about your man negatively in public. This is very disrespectful. Don't do it. It embarrasses him. It kills his self-esteem. I'm not saying you're not entitled to have your own opinion, but you definitely will want to do this in a loving way and privately at home, okay? Number two, never eat chips in bed, okay? I have a story with this. Basically, if you know that something annoys the other person, like, for example, I can't stand the way that Josh crunches chips, 
and I am asleep because I'm really tired, and he comes in there, and he's crunching chips in the bed and wakes me up, that irritates me. And I do lots of things that irritate him too. But if you know something irritates somebody, just don't do it. The third thing is never call your mom or your best friend with your news first. Always make your husband your first call. Celebrate together, grieve together, but they need to be first. The fourth and last thing is never expect them to be perfect. Learn to forgive when he forgets or falls short because he's going to, right? He's human. He's going to forget. He's going to mess up. And you want him to do the same for you. So just never expect them to be perfect. So those are my nevers. But here are a few positive always to end with. These are always the best things in any marriage. Always be kind. Always be patient and always forgive and forget. Remember this scripture. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. That's 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 5, which goes back to what I said earlier. If you hear only one thing today, hear this. Marriage without Jesus in the center will be very hard. But a marriage with Jesus in the center, although it's not perfect, right? Because two out of three of you are human. It will be more full of joy, more full of patience, and more likely to forgive and keep no record of wrongs, like 1 Corinthians 13 was saying. And that is a marriage that lasts Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Faithful31Moms. Thanks again and have a blessed day.